Welcome to Open Mind GFO Radio. This is a special Louise Elizondo edition. Of course, Louise is a guy who ran the ATIP program uh, for the Pentagon, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, uh, which was a predecessor, a part of the Advanced Aerospace Weapons System Application Program. All very confusing, but that's why a couple weeks ago we did a show where we went into the background. So if you don't understand the background of all of this, you can review that podcast where I went over the the timeline just a couple weeks ago. You can also look at a story that I have. You can go to my blog, AlejandroTRojas.com. You can also find it at OpenMind.TV, and you can see my story, ATIP to OSAP, or OSAP to ATIP, and it explains how that all happened, because it's all very confusing. There's just so many moving parts that really I'm getting overwhelmed at this point with all the information uh, coming through. So trying to keep up. But since this one was about Elizondo, I was focusing on ATIP. Of course, the show that Luis Elizondo is pretty much the star of, this unidentified uh, Americans, uh, America's UFO investigation, which is on the History Channel currently. But uh, let's get into some of the news. First, let's get into some of the controversy. So there was some controversy. There was a story in The Intercept that was posted where a gentleman, uh, Chris Sherwood, who works for the DOD, said that uh, Lou Elizondo did not have any responsibilities to ATIP. And essentially, you know, the question is, what do you mean by that? First of all, uh, are you trying to say that you definitely know that Luis Elizondo did not work for ATIP? Or are you trying to say that at least as far as you know, uh, Luis Elizondo didn't work for ATIP? Uh, Chris Sherwood is a spokesperson for the DOD. So it's entirely possible he would not have that information. And to be honest, from what I'm getting, that seems to be the case. And hopefully we'll get a clarification. Now, the issue is, even though Sherwood is saying this, and a lot of people are making a big deal out of that, we already knew know that Lou is part of ATIP. How can I say that so boldly, despite some of the naysayers saying, oh, Hunter, you don't know that. How can you say counter what Chris Sherwood said? Here's how I can say that, because we already know all of this from the New York Times. Not only that, we know this from Harry Reid. Uh, we know this from contractors. In fact, I reached out to Hal Putoff. Dr. Hal Putoff was one of the contractors who worked with ATIP, and he told me, yes, indeed, Lou did work for ATIP. I reported to ATIP at the Pentagon when I talked to him uh, later, in, later on during the program. 
there's a number of ways we know this. Not only that, if he didn't, that means he was fooling uh, the History Channel, the New York Times, Politico, the Washington Post, Congress, because they've gone to talk to Congress, and Navy, because they've worked with the Navy, and we'll get into that later in just a minute here, so that we have an abundance, really, of evidence. Uh, here's the thing, and Clore came after me. He, uh, you know, kind of tried to disparage me a bit, but here's my point. Okay, Clore, you got this message from Sherwood, but also we have heard from, and Politico printed this uh, in December 2017, they had another spokesperson say that actually Lou did work for the Pentagon and did work for ATIP. So we have one Pentagon spokesperson long ago saying, yes, Lou did work for ATIP. Now we have this new statement that, no, he did not. Someone obviously newer who might not have the information. Meanwhile, we've got a bunch of people who have come forward and said, yes, I've worked with Lou while he was on ATIP. So uh, I think we can very solidly say, I think what the the writer Kevin Clore of that Intercept uh, uh, article should have done and should do next is talk to some of these people who were interfacing with ATIP, such as Eric Davis, who I interviewed just a few weeks ago, or talk to Hal Putoff. Both of those gentlemen were contractors with ATIP, and both of them confirm that Lou worked for ATIP. So we have an abundance of information there. What's more interesting, and we do get into this in the interview, is that the DOD keeps countering. They keep saying things that Lou said um, weren't true. And every time they're proven wrong, every single time thus far, they've had to come forward and say, oops, sorry, Lou was right. This happened with the uh, FLIR videos from the F-18. The DOD said, we didn't release those. And then they had to come back and say, oops, yeah, we did. Um, You know, I can't even remember all of the other instances, but there's been several other instances. Uh, Well, ATIP didn't have anything to do with UFOs was another one. Uh, Then they had to come forward just recently. Sherwood, the same guy, had to come forward and say, uh, well, ATIP was real and ATIP did have to do with UFOs. So that was another one that they had to change their tune. So we keep getting this over and over again. But uh, what's interesting and what's great, of course, and we're seeing this more and more in the television show as more information is is unveiled to us in the television show, Unidentified, is that Lou has been accurate in everything he's told us thus far, and also that, you know, he has these, these relationships with these insiders. In fact, you know, Chris Mellon, who uh, is a very important person, he's also part of the, uh, the television show, and he has a prominent role in the show. He was a Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. I mean, this is a guy who briefs the big guys. Uh, He's probably briefed presidents. He spent a lot of time at Area 51. In fact, he did a recent interview about Area 51 on Fox News. He was asked some questions about Area 51 there. Really interesting interviews that he's been doing. Uh, He has verified. He said, I worked with Lou. While Lou was in ATIP, we both tried to go to the Secretary of Defense and and bring this UFO information to him. Uh, We couldn't. His, his handlers essentially wouldn't let us get the information to him. This is one of the reasons why Lou resigned. So that's the background between, behind some of that controversy and what's going on there. Really interesting stuff. So the DOD is kind of, you know, shaking things up. However, the Navy's not. 
The Navy, of course, came up with these UFO protocols. Chris Mellon, who I just mentioned, uh, actually had a statement that he gave to George Knapp of KLAS in Las Vegas that said, you know, to the stars has everything to do with the Navy uh, putting out these UFO protocols. And you can see this on KLAS. Tom, Tol- Tom DeLong, of course, who started to the stars, said the same thing in social media. He said, yeah, I'm aware of this because we had everything to do with this. Of course, those are some pretty bold statements. So uh, it might be a good idea to ask Lou what he thinks of those statements. So that's some of the other things that have been going on uh, that we'll talk about. Uh, of course, a big thing going on also is, is are all of these conspiracy theories. And what's interesting is, as many of you might think along these lines, although you've heard me, if you've been listening to my recent interviews, talk to individuals about this topic, and nobody involved feels the same way as almost all of the UFO community, which is that this is part of a soft disclosure. Some of you, and I think intuitively when you see this, you think, wow, the government is finally giving us bits and pieces of information so we can finally get up to speed on what's going on with UFOs and what they know about aliens. Well, that's not what the story shows. If you dig into the details like I have, like other authors have, it doesn't look like that. It looks more like these government insiders, Mellon, uh, Elizondo, who are now working with Tom DeLong and working with some scientists, uh, mostly who worked with Robert Bigelow for decades, are all and have been pushing for more information to come out. And now that Lou has come out into the public and Chris Mellon has joined with him and that you know Tom DeLong has put his money into it and his influence into it, now they're really getting some leverage and some attention to tell the government, hey, get this information out. And it seems like the Navy is playing ball. The Navy's like, hey, that sounds good to us. Uh, we're going to join you, especially because our pilots, Some of our best pilots, our ace pilots, are coming out and saying they've had UFO encounters. And this is what's great. Instead of making fun of those pilots, the Navy is like, all right, let's do this. Let's uh, get this information out. Let's take it seriously like our pilots have because our pilots have experienced Describe some extraordinary things. Um, some of those pilots being Commander David Fravor, who was, uh, you know, like I said, a wing commander. This is a boss. This is colonel level. You know, this is one of the guys. He's like the level of the captain of the ship. He's saying that, you know, he chased this tic-tac, 40-foot-long white object that looked like a tic-tac, a flying tic-tac, that this thing hovered, it maneuvered, uh, matching his his hit the maneuvers of his uh, aircraft and then sped off at amazing speeds. I mean, that uh, baffles, that boggles the mind. What the heck was that? Then we have these new clips. If you haven't seen them, you can see this at AlejandroTRojas.com or at OpenMinds.tv. You can find these links. You can also find these all. I post them on UFOCongress.com. So all over the place you can get to these videos. The History Channel released some videos of these two pilots. And these were pilots that were featured in a recent New York Times article, uh, Lieutenant Graves and Lieutenant Acoin. And they say in 2015 in Florida... 
that they uh, were getting radar uh, of these objects. They would go take a look and there'd be nothing there. However, at one point, a couple of the pilots had one of these UFOs fly right in between their planes. It looked like a cube that was inside of a circle. They say it was kind of like a clear beach ball with some kind of cube inside of it. Really, really weird. At that point, they were all like, holy crap, you know, these objects are now posing a threat to our aircraft. What is this? And they took it very, very seriously. So these clips that History Channel released of these pilots talking about this will be in an up up and coming uh, episode of Unidentified. So the Navy has taken the stance that, you know what, we're going to take these pilots seriously and we're going to look into this. Really exciting stuff. Now, there's another gentleman, Tyler Rogueway. I've interviewed him as well about UFOs. He's a defense writer for a website called uh, The Drive, and in particular, the section called The War Zone, because he writes about aerospace defense, mostly. Now, Tyler has talked about and discovered and done research on some incredible UFO encounters himself. However, he wrote a recent article where he took a look at how Tom DeLonge says that he got to the stars started. And what Tom DeLonge is saying is that, you know, he went to Lockheed uh, to try to do a group project where they uh, he was doing a documentary about ufos Lockheed then introduced him to some people in the military who introduced him to people in nasa and he was talking to all of these insiders and these insiders said okay yeah this sounds like maybe something we want to do now tyler is thinking well is this a propaganda kind of effort you know is this uh the military using um tom DeLong to make themselves look better because conspiracy theorists you know have really shed a negative light on all of this and uh, people think negatively towards the military especially respect with respect to all of this now this is what tom said tom said hey you guys look really bad with all these conspiracies we need to change that and i want to change that let's get information out you know we maybe you guys need to be more open now what resulted is lockheed said well we don't want to work with you on this but he did talk with a couple people when the john podesta uh the wikileaks came out with uh john podesta who is hillary's campaign manager uh emails it showed that john podesta helped uh tom DeLong set up a meeting with one of these lockheed executives bob wise with uh you know a guy who worked at the labs at wright patterson with um Another guy who worked with uh, Space Command, I mean, these important people in John Podesta. So that's who uh, Tom was working with. And now we know with To the Stars, he's got a different executive from Lockheed Skunk Works, uh, Steve Justice, who's in the Unidentified show. And I always make this note that uh, it was Lockheed Skunk Works that was contracted to create Area 51. They built Area 51 and ran Area 51 for the CIA. So they're all into that. And of course, Lockheed Skunk Works also created the U-2, the SR-71, and stealth technology. They're the guys that are on the cutting edge of aerospace technology. Uh, So Steve Justice, that's who he is on the Unidentified show. Uh, He also uh, somehow you know, made buddies with Christopher Mellon, who I just talked about, you know, very important figure. And so uh, that's how this all came about. Tyler Rogueway is thinking maybe the uh, military is feeding these guys and kind of directing them to make themselves look good. Maybe that's true. Certainly the Navy looks good recently with uh, UFOs 
you know, being something that they're taking more seriously. And uh, I don't know, maybe that's part of it. But certainly when you look into this, you see this is really driven by the investigators. So they are looking for answers and uh, they're, they're getting them or at least making some discoveries. And on the show Unidentified, we're watching all of that unfold. So it's really exciting. Some of the other stuff going on, you know, one of the things that I talked about was David Fravor in Oregon at the McMinnville Festival. He cast some doubt on some of the witnesses. Um, So he he essentially said that some of them seem to be exaggerating, uh, you know, that that just got posted. Now, this is some of the negative stuff that was he he went on this kind of little tangent for a minute. He was asked by. Uh, investigated filmmaker Jeremy Corbell, who did the Skinwalker and Bob Lazar uh, films. He was asked by George Knapp, uh, who we've mentioned earlier and talked to quite a bit uh, about these. So obviously he had some reservations. Uh, Apparently he feels some of the witnesses are exaggerating. So uh, that's one of the aspects. But I would want you to listen to the Oregon interviews, which Jeremy Corbell is posting, because... Fravor talks about a lot of other exciting things. He talks about his encounter. He talks about how his radar was jammed during the encounter and the uh, jamming technology. He also talks about, and this is something I should have mentioned earlier, the other two FLIR videos. So there were three FLIR videos that came out in December of 2017 when all of this news broke. Uh, The first one was related to the Nimitz that we've talked at length about. The other two that are are referred to as Fast Walker and Gimbal, we weren't quite sure where they came from. But in these videos that I was talking about a little bit ago with Graves and a Coin, those fighter pilots, it turns out these videos are from that 2015 Florida incident. So Fravor was asked what he thought is in those videos. You know, is there a missile? Uh, I asked, actually asked this question in Oregon. Is that a missile? Uh, like some of the the bunkers have said, or another aircraft, and Fravor said, heck no, that is not an aircraft, it's not possible, and he explained why it wasn't those things in this video, very important video to watch, there's very few lengthy interviews with David Fravor, so, uh, and these are, this one is like an hour-long one, and then later he's part of a panel, Uh, Jeremy has yet to release that one, but he will, so pay attention to those, I'll put a link uh, in the show notes for that. Otherwise, of course, Eric Davis uh, gave us some really controversial things that he talked about in the interview that we uh, did just a few weeks ago. So, uh, of course, I'd like some clarification on that. And then uh, some other interesting things that have gone on that uh, we've talked about, different rumors and stuff like that. So I just wanted to give you that background before we get into the interview. So uh, having said all of that, let's go ahead and listen to my interview I just did a few minutes ago with Luis Elizondo. Hello, how are you, Mr. Elizondo? Good, sir, good. (laughs) Well, we've got a little bit of time, so we're going to have to skip the pleasantries and get right to it. But one of the first things I wanted to mention, just because I was going to ask some questions about some of the stories I've written, but in order to kind of get all that in one 
foul swoop. Uh, essentially, you've seen my stories, especially the story about ATIP to and and how uh, it relates to OSAP. And I just want to verify mm-hmm. you've seen that. You've seen the stories. They are accurate. I'm aware of that. Yeah, that's it. That was that was fairly fairly. At least from my perspective, uh, Mr. Rojas. Obviously, I wasn't the director of OSAP. So right. for me to to expound too much on it, I would be ill qualified to do so. But certainly from from my perspective, that that was pretty pretty darn accurate. Great. And did you see any discrepancy that you can think of at this point? Um, no, not. I mean, I'd have to review it again in okay. all honesty, but nothing stands out that that I looked at that contradicted what what I know to be true. All right, great. Well, let's get into these questions. So first off, uh, Chris Mellon and Tom DeLong have both made statements about the influence that To the Stars has had on the Navy's decision to release new UFO reporting protocols. And Anthony LePay said in an interview that I had with him that this will be reflected in the show. And uh, is that true? I mean, did you all have an influence with the Navy? Yeah, I mean, certainly, but it was a team effort. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd like to kind of explain why I even joined TTSA in the beginning because, you know, I resigned from the Pentagon in 2017 um, because, and despite the overwhelming evidence uh, at both young classified and classified levels that UAPs are real, they exist. And um, for me, having the ability to join TTSA um, was, was an honor and privilege because of the people you just mentioned. You have folks on there like like Tom DeLong and like Chris Mellon, Steve Justice, Hal Pudoff, uh, Jim Semivan, these are folks that I knew when my government time to be absent, particularly from the government side, folks like Chris and, and Hal and, and Steve Justice and Jim, to be uh, some very, very serious, no-nonsense individuals. So basically, when you have the ability to join a team made up of such high-level and, and credible former military personnel and intel personnel, um, you know, you, you, you do that. And as a result of that, each one of us has a certain degree of expertise in an area the other don't. And so what you'll see in the show is each and every one of us engaging different aspects, whether it's government interaction or legislation or talking to our former military or current military individuals, men and women in uniform. Each of us has a very specific skill set, and we don't, we deliberately don't overlap each other um, because, frankly, Chris, no one's going to be able to, to understand the, the bureaucracy like, like someone like Chris Mellon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, let's face it, I kind of make a joke of it, but, but Chris Mellon knows how to swim through government bureaucracy like a shark. I mean, there's, there are very few people that are as adept and savvy to, to how governments operate and sometimes don't operate, even the dysfunction, uh, than Chris Mellon. So he was absolutely instrumental and vital getting this to the forefront of, of our elected members. Um, but it wasn't just Chris. Keep in mind, you have t- Tom DeLong. And I, I often say, you know, sometimes in a, in a crowded room, you need a, you need a megaphone. Mm-hmm. And Tom DeLong is that person. He's very, very creative. Uh, you know, we often joke sometimes, you know, you, you need a bull in a china shop. And, and from my perspective, Tom's more like a hand grenade in a, in mm-hmm. a china shop. Um, but you need that. Sometimes if you want to fix something, you've got you've to break a little china. And then you have folks like Hal and, and, and Steve Justice from their perspective, add a tremendous amount of scientific credibility because of the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Now, in History Channel dropped some really exciting uh, clips from upcoming episodes, some Navy pilots talking about 2015 incidents. And from what I understand, uh, 
couple of those guys, if not both, are still active, right? So they would have had to got permission to be on the show. Roger that. Uh, so, so Mr. Rojas, the way the Navy works, you don't you don't come out in public unless you have permission from your public affairs office. So, having that endorsement is really, I think, something that's unique in this show. I, I'm not aware of any, and I could be wrong, but I'm not aware of any other incident where the government has allowed their active duty members to to speak on on whether it's television or speaking to members of Congress um, about, frankly, about UAPs. I think, and the, and the fact that. History Channel was successful in being able to, to in some degree, um, get all of this, capture this as it was unfolding on camera. It's really a testament to to the the approach History Channel took when doing the show. This is, as I said before, this is not a, a UFO hunting show. This is not a this is not a, a reality show. This is a show about reality, and they're fundamentally different. And you can see that when in the way History Channel approached this. Um, they didn't, even in the producers, they, these aren't entertainment producers. These are hardened investigative journalists that spend their days cutting their teeth, looking at the dark underbelly of, 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 of the human race. They did things such as organized crime and human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And even some of the camera people that were assigned to, to this effort were, were in, in combat zones filming U.S. troops under fire. Um, yeah. So this is really a, 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 a different type of program and i think it really is groundbreaking in, in from that perspective alone mm-hmm. it's exciting to have such great navy cooperation i mean in the ufo reporting cl- protocols but also allowing these pilots to come forward it is and i think that's also i think the navy also realized what we were doing here we weren't again it's because we weren't trying to do a, a ufo hunting show we were trying to to have an honest conversation about the truth and what's what really might be out there mm-hmm now, the DOD has not really been, at least their PAO office, uh, has not been as cooperative. Uh, they've kind of made some statements that were counter to yours, but in each instance, they've had to kind of correct themselves and say, oh, well, sorry about that. Lou was right. Why do you <laughs> think there's there's been this kind of issue? Well, I, you know, government bureaucracy is large and is complex. Um, I wouldn't be surprised in the near term if if they amend their statement yet again. Um, for the last year and a half, obviously, they were quite clear that um, the program was real and that was part of that program. Um, but, you know, people leave office and new people come in, so I, I think we just sometimes need to give them a little bit of time to catch up. Yeah, right. So and this is another thing that's kind of out there, and I've talked to Eric Davis about this and Leslie King because they're part of the conspiracy, this idea that there's this conspiracy, and it's not you all guiding your investigations, but some kind of hidden hand up there, and that to the stars is just one part, and the New York Times are all involved, you know, in this kind of conspiracy <laughs> to release information. Um, and, uh, of course, Eric Davis has called this uh, conspiracy nonsense, and Leslie Kane had said, no, this is due to yeah. our hard work. Uh, would you agree with uh, Davis and, and Kane? I mean, yeah. I mean, look, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, right? Mm-hmm. And not everyone is going to agree with or, or necessarily like what, what, what we're doing, especially when you're speaking about a topic that's as, as potentially rich and obscure as, as UFOs are. And so because of that, people are always going to try to poke holes in the story or have their own suppositions or innuendos. And, you know, that's... That's part of the dialogue. Um, in the end of the day, you know, this is a conversation for the American people to have. And, and obviously, sometimes you're going to have people assume false narratives. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, the data speaks for itself, and, and you know, people will, will make their own decision. I think at the end of the day, they're going to realize, yeah, this is absolutely 
um, going down the way that the New York Times and others like Politico uh, have reported. They've reported very, I think, very accurately and faithfully so far. So, um, yeah, I, I absolutely support their their position. Now, uh, Tyler Rogaway, he's a guy who writes uh, for The Defense, wrote an article recently, and he highlighted, you know, something I love to highlight, the hard work that Tom DeLong did to make all of this happen. Um, he kind of takes this perspective that uh, almost even kind of like the conspiracy guys, at, at least there's military involvement. We just talked about how the Navy's being cooperative. But I mean, are your investigations, do you feel, uh, is do they guide you at all? Or are they just, or, or is to the stars, you, Chris, and the group, do you decide what you're going to go after? Well, I, yes, we decide what we're going to do. But again, you know, if, if if you are living in a neighborhood, you don't play loud rock hard rock music at midnight and, and, and upset your neighbors. I mean, this is a collaborative effort. Obviously, to get the cooperation of the Navy, you know, you, you, you need to work well with elements within the U.S. government. So, you know, it, it's not a conspiracy where we're going to go ahead and push a certain narrative on behalf of one group of, of individuals or another. Uh, but at the same time, too, you know, you, you, you have to, if you want the cooperation of the government, you have to work with the government. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Are mm-hmm. we being influenced by the government? Absolutely not. That's that's nonsense. But are we going to continue to work well with the government? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? I mean, mm-hmm. this is something that, that collect, look, we wouldn't have got those three videos released if we weren't. So, you know, like it or not, it's in our best interest to, to work in a collaborative, in the spirit of, you know, uh, cooperation and, and collaborate with them. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that's happened, of course, there's all these controversies that pop up, and, and it's great to get clarification. Uh, David Fravor was in Oregon, and he made uh, was talking about the event, some great stuff. But uh, some people felt he was kind of casting doubt on some of the witnesses, including Kevin Day. I've interviewed Kevin Day. He seems like the real deal. I mean, do you vouch for Kevin Day's uh, testimony? I got for both. I mean, look, mm-hmm. it's anytime you have an accident, you get witness testimony for a reason because everybody's going to view the accident from a slightly different angle. And that's how you put the piece of the puzzle together, right? A jigsaw puzzle isn't just one piece. It's a bunch of pieces. And eventually when you put all the pieces together, you get a nice comprehensive mosaic of what the picture is supposed to be. And in this case, I think it's exactly the same case. I think it's, you know, the old analogy, if you will, of, of three blind blind men trying to describe an elephant, right? They're all <laughs> describing something completely different, and yet it's really the same thing, part of the, the bigger picture. So let's look at this very briefly for 30 seconds. Fravor was on the USS Nimitz, and he was one of the pilots to actually engage this thing up close and personal and actually be an eyewitness. But let's, you know, that was a brief moment in time. Let's look at Kevin Day. He was on board the USS Princeton, not the Nimitz. He was on the ship that's actually designed to look at the, 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 the combat environment, so to speak, mm-hmm. with radar. And so what, what Kevin Day was able to see was certainly a much larger comprehensive picture than, than what you have with Fravor. Look, Fravor is, is an aggressive, rare breed of pilots. As I said before, he's one of the few people on, on, uh, <laughs> that, that actually chases down danger, doesn't run away from it. They, they actually run towards it. And you want those guys as your fighter pilots. That's exactly who you want, you know, winning wars on your behalf. Kevin Day is also a graduate of Top Gun, just like like uh, Commander Fravor was. And he is one of the most highly trained individuals on the planet regarding the Spy One radar. So he was in that on that ship for days and days and days, tracking these things. So in essence, what you have here, I think, think are both. I think where, where, where the rub comes, where the frustration comes with Dave Fravor is, 
Dave Flavor is a fighter pilot. I mean, that is, he has been born and bred to do that. And so he is, he's, if he feels that something or, 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 or someone for some reason is, is, is not, the information is not consistent with what he's seen, he's going to do what he does. And that's basically call attention to it. Say, look, I disagree with that. Right. But at the end of the day, I think when you look at this, you, you realize that, that both are, at least from my perspective and others that were in the government with me, that actually both are telling the truth from their perspective. Um, it's both accurate information, either one or wrong. Right. So on the show, there were some hints that you're going to be coming be covering this UK incident, another military incident in Rendlesham Forest. And uh, the New York Times had reported that uh, ATIP had studied people who said they had experienced physical effects from encounters. Is that what would be covered uh, on the Rendlesham piece? Um, I would love to answer that question, <laughs> but I think it'd be better for the audience to, to, to watch the episode. And it's not a, I'm not, this is not a, uh, it's not a shameless plug for the show, but it's to just simply answer yes or no would not do it justice. Um, totally I think fair. what you are going to see is a, is a, a comprehensive picture of the effects on our men and women in uniform, um, that this phenomenon has. And mm-hmm. that may include that may include even medical effects. Mm-hmm. Wow! And I don't think you should be shy about plugging the show at all. It's a great show, and and that's kind of <laughs> what we're here for. But um, the Adam Project—that's another one where we haven't heard a lot of results yet. Are we going to hear results for that in the show? Um, I, I I suspect so. You know, History Channel, and you got to give them credit. They they are when they approach the show. Again, this is not it's not like a typical entertainment show. This is a docuseries. They don't even allow me to watch the episodes mm-hmm. um, they, because they want to keep the reporting pure. And so, honestly, some of these questions I, I can't answer. I don't know what made it, uh, if you will, from the cutting floor onto TV. So when the audience is watching the episode for the first time, so am I. <laughs> um, right. And as embarrassing as it may be for me to say, the truth is that you want to preserve that integrity when you're doing a show like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's important. So a lot of the stuff you all get to see, I'm seeing it for the very first time as well. Gotcha. So here's another question then related to ATIP work. Um, Bob Lazar was in Oregon and Fravor was there with him. This is a guy who made Area 51 famous by saying he kind of worked on this crash retrieval project. And him and Fravor seem to become kind of buddies out there. Uh, now, Davis, uh, who is one, Eric Davis, who is one of the contractors with uh, ATIP, doesn't believe Bob Lazar's story. However, he told me in a recent interview he does think there have been crash retrieval programs have you come across anything like that? Do you think that uh, there have been programs to study, I guess, kind of like Adam's, you know, material retrieval? Well, sure. I mean, the government the government always has, I mean, we have, you know, an entire capability within our intelligence community that, that studies, you know, material, whether it's material from a foreign military, you know, uh, uh, technology or anything else. Uh, we're always trying to figure out what something is. Um, and that holds true to anything. So... As far as specifically confirming whether or not we have a, a, a collection capability for the study of UAP, uh, I am going to politely decline from answering that question. I'm no longer in the U.S. government, and so therefore for me, answering on behalf of the U.S. government would, I think, would not be in good faith. Now, I did say for the record, when I was asked on, on recent interview by Tucker Carlson, 
do I believe that their material exists? Um, I stand, absolutely stand by that statement, but mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, I, I, I don't think I can elaborate more on that. Right, and and to clarify, I mean, you believe that likely does exist, but it's not like something you can prove. Um, I didn't say that. Uh, I just am going to probably politely uh, uh, deflect deflect that question. But I right. will I will say though the first part of your question about um, Mr. Lazar and Mr. Fravor, I I, I never met Mr. Lazar. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't have an opinion either way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was running ATIP, I, I deliberately avoided. Um, knowing any, and it's probably rubs people the wrong way, but I did not study ufology and ufologists and, 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 uh, if you will, the, the current of, um, of personalities that are involved in it. Um, and right. I did that deliberately because I wanted to remain uh, fair and, and objective when we were looking at the data. I didn't even want that to run the risk of subconsciously having some sort of, of pre-notion of what something is or isn't. Um, kind of, if you will, influence our, our analysis. Right. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people wanted me to ask you about this historical stuff, but I know, just like you just said, you didn't really look into uh, the UFO lore out there. So, Right. Um, I mean, the same reason, honestly, why I don't offer my opinion very often because right. I'd rather stay with the facts because at the end of the day, as I've told other people, and again, Tucker Carlson, you can be absolutely sure of something and you can also be absolutely wrong. So, um, as long as we stick to the data, I think we're, we're, we're better off that way. Mm-hmm. There's been rumors out there that you all have reached out to Lockheed and Boeing uh, to, to, I guess, maybe have them help you on projects. Is is that something that happened? Do you think you're, that's, you'll be able to work with them? We're, 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 we're always looking for partnerships and, 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 and capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, those partnerships are sometimes... Um, sensitive, and we have to be mindful of that. Uh, other times, um, they're not so sensitive. But uh, what I will say is, in, in general terms, we are always looking for opportunities to partner. Um, and I think, I think that's a responsible way to do business uh, because right. other companies and other organizations may have capabilities that we can leverage. Uh, and you know, we don't have to spend a million dollars doing something. If another company has a capability to do something, you know, that, that costs much, much less and yet get the same results. Right. And you've got a former Lockheed exec uh, on your group, Steve Justice, <laughs> yes, in the show. <laughs> and, uh, of yes, course, we do. know Tom has, has had conversations with John Podesta and another uh, Lockheed exec. So you got you have some yeah. strong advocates. Well, I think, you know, that's, that's, that's prudent. You know, why wouldn't mm-hmm. you want to get some of the very best in the aerospace industry? Right to work with you if you can. Again, I'm not uh, going to go into any type of detail of specifically who or what we're working on with, with any organization, but but yeah, I mean, that's I think that's that makes sense. Now, I know we're running out of time, so uh, I was wondering if you could talk on, of course, part of the Tic Tac incident that Fravor was involved with was this something possibly underwater. Now, on this report that we got that was leaked by George Knapp, uh, they they talked about they couldn't get any sonar of this thing. Was there any other information that gathered that verified whether or not there was an object underwater in that incident? So, so information, like anything else, um, can evolve over time. And sometimes you can get a clear picture, or sometimes you get a muddier picture. Um, and some people are willing to come out later on that weren't willing to come out before. Um, let me let me put this in terms of more generalities. Nimitz aside. Um, there have been reports 
of these things potentially operating not just in the atmosphere but potentially in in a in a vacuum environment such as space and even underwater. Um, so for that reason, one of the observables we talk about in the show is transmedium travel. The ability for an object to to seemingly perform uh, without having to change its its functional design, perform the same way, whether it be in atmosphere or in low Earth orbit or perhaps even underwater. Mm-hmm. Really Let me give a very quick analogy. If you want to, right now, it, 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 the, the world is full of compromises. Um, and I think that's true in relationships, and I think it's also true in in, um, in technology. If you want to have a plane that goes really, really fast, you think of something like a Concorde. If you want a boat uh, that can, um, you know, if you will, go very fast, then you would probably have a, have a, a race boat, a speedboat. But it's hard to make a plane... Um, that flies really fast into a boat that flies really fast. So if you look at a seaplane, which is kind of our best way of compromising between air and sea, it, it's not really a great airplane. It, it'll fly and it gets to where you need to go, but it, it's not going to fly super fast or be super maneuverable because uh, it's got pontoons hanging at the bottom of the boat. It's designed to also right. be a boat. And if you use a seaplane as a boat, well, it's probably not going to handle really rough water like a, a, a typical boat would be designed to do because it's that th- it is designed full of compromises if you want it to fly and swim then it's probably neither going to do very well um it can do it but but not not fantastic so these things don't seem to have those compromises um in some cases they they seem to be able to perform uh, just as easily in, in from one environment to another Mm-hmm. And to plug a history show, so hopefully they'll let me get this question in real quick since it's before your show. What do you think of the ancient aliens uh, theory? Um, you know, I, I, I really don't. I think um, people are absolutely entitled to their opinions, and I think we need to to allow people to to have their opinions. That's what that's what this is all about. This, this is what this country is all about. Um, having I, we should never be afraid of ideas. What we should be afraid of is is a lack thereof. It, I would rather not have an answer to a question than not have the ability to question the answer. That may or to let me let me rephrase that again. I'd rather not have an answer to a question than not be able to question the answer. If that makes sense. Yep, totally makes sense. All right, I think we're out of time. So thank you so much. You got it. No problem, Mr. Rojas. Nice talking to you. Yep, absolute pleasure. What an exciting interview. I'm so happy I was able to get in those questions. At first, I was thinking I'm going to take it easy. Me and Lou are going to have fun, and I'm going to have an hour. And then they got a hold of me and said, oh, nope, I can only give you a half hour. Then they got a hold of me and said, oh, nope, then we can only give you 15 minutes. Then they got a hold of me and said, nope, we can't do the interview. So, I mean, they have been freaking me out. But we worked it all out. You know, it just takes patience. And I can completely understand because you've got Fox News calling. You've got CNN calling. You have all these big guys wanting to talk to Lou and Chris and Tom. And so I'm very privileged and happy to have got what I got. And we got, you know, what was that, 25 minutes or so. So they gave us a lot of time to talk to Lou. And we got some really very 
interesting answers, I think. And I think you all agree. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking about Kevin Day. Uh, We interviewed Kevin and I don't know what you all thought, but I thought Kevin was great. I love the interview. He came across as very credible, intelligent. He was a lot of fun to talk to. So um, I was a little worried when people were like, hey, is Fravor casting doubt on Kevin Day? So um, it was great to hear Lou vouch for Kevin Day, especially because something we have not announced, Kevin Day will be speaking at the International UFO Congress. So really exciting. If you want to meet him and hear from him firsthand, even get your own questions in, then you'll want to register at the UFO Congress. So go to ufocongress.com. I can also tell you that we do have some other Very, very exciting uh, announcements as far as speakers go. So keep an eye on that. And a lot of these speakers, or at least some of what will be coming up, will certainly be related to things we just talked about. So uh, you're definitely going to want to be there. In fact, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell will be speaking at the UFO Congress also. And with all of this news coming out, you know, by the minute, you're definitely going to want to be there so you could hear the latest and greatest. Jeremy's going to be showing some films he has not shared before. So a lot of exciting stuff regarding all of this um, with the UFO Congress. But some interesting statements here. Of course, Jeremy and George Knapp are really uh, friends with Bob Lazar, and they back his uh, story. Uh, Eric Davis uh, absolutely says it's a, it's a ridiculous However, a- Eric Davis, as we heard, does believe that there are these crashed UFO programs. And what's really fascinating and uh, leaves me kind of dumbfounded is that Lou agrees. Lou says, I don't know. He even said when I tried to push him on, so you couldn't prove any of this. And he he was like, well, I just don't want to say. What? That kind of thing. Maybe he thinks that maybe he could. If if hard pressed, maybe they could prove that a program like this exists. I don't know. Uh, really interesting, fascinating answers because I've been a skeptic, to be honest, of UFO crashes all along, even with Roswell. And I know there's there's information to, there's evidence that leads there, but not anything I feel definitive beyond anecdotal. So uh, to, to think that, you know, these insiders believe that may be a possibility is absolutely shocking. And even though Eric Davis is a skeptic with Bob Lazar, and I am uh, pretty much too, but not to the degree of Davis, I have a, a great amount of respect for Jeremy Corbell and his research, and I have an immense an absolutely immense amount of respect for George Knapp and his credibility. George Knapp, I consider a mentor, and I just don't feel that George Knapp could be fooled. And so that really scratches my head. It gives me kind of this cognitive dissonance. On the one end, I'm it's like, no way, Bob Lazar can't be right. On the other end, it's like, there's no way George Knapp can get this wrong and be so confident that this is the real deal and that's me that's my head spinning like a a, like a washing machine and uh whirring and uh an old one that is kind of clunky and thinking what the heck's going on does not compute does not compute so uh bob lazar really makes me scratch my head so it was really cool actually to see him there in oregon not too long ago but uh, yeah, so wow, that really freaks me out, to be honest. That's really strange stuff. But uh, otherwise, it sounds like we've got a lot of really exciting things to look forward to in Unidentified. I mean, the answer with Rendlesham, how cool is that? 
we may be seeing something related to physical effects. Whoa. So um, some really interesting stuff coming up uh, on Unidentified. So tune in to Unidentified. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Be sure to check out the UFO Congress right now. If you use the code by the 14th, save 25, you will get $25 off of multiple day tickets. So save 25 when you're checking out. Um, Otherwise, you know, I'm always going to hook you up, especially my Patreon homies. So if you go to my Patreon site and you become a patron, I'm always hooking you up. And in fact, I just thought of it. I should talk my, my, uh, my lovely girlfriend over here who is the love of my life into giving me maybe a special discount for my Patreons. We'll see. Um, But, uh, of course, if you're a Patreon, you're going to get a notice that'll tell you, hey, something special here for you. But if you're not a patron, you won't. So, sorry. But I do want to thank so many of you who have have registered to help out to keep me going and sharing UFO information. Um, Please do become a patron. You can do it as low as a dollar a month. And the vast majority of people who have, have done it for that much, and I'm more than grateful for all of you, and I'm extremely grateful for the many of you who um, up your ante or even add, uh, you know, come in at 5 or $10. I just can't believe that. I'm so happy. But you know what? Just like today, with this breaking information, I'm going to continue to bring you late-breaking information. I'm on the inside. I'm meeting with all of the major players. I can't even tell you all the people that I'm meeting with and talking to. uh, And all the information that I can't tell you is also piling up. But the advantage of that is that I then have the opportunity to have insights and then work on getting that information out to you because I'm all about... Uh, getting information to you all, sharing information. That's why I'm in this, not to keep secrets, but to uh, not to be a fanboy, but to get you the truth, whatever that truth is. And uh, boy, did we get a bunch of great facts today. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you to Caleb Hanks for the opening and close music. Thank you to Systematics for the bumper music. And as always, thank you, the listener, Until next time, adios muchachos.